Welcome to the game. It's a beautiful thing. With Mark Duffield. My golly gosh. The son of a darkened shearer and a self-described ball-playing jack of all trades. We shouldn't be surprised, should we? Who lit up footy fields in the southwest before becoming WA's preeminent AFL scrub. My goodness. And Glenn Quarterman. Wow, we proud Victorian parked permanently in the West who would have played 300 AFL games if not for his incredibly small hands. Goodness gracious me. Together they are Duff, Duff and Quarters. You know who. And this is your favourite footy podcast. It's unbelievable. Hello everybody, Tuesday time for the first edition this week of the Duff and Quarters podcast. We are brought to you by TabTouch. Those with the touch, better your bet, download TabTouch today. Please gamble responsibly and call the Gambler's Helpline on 1-800-858-858 if you run into any difficulties. Quarters, welcome. Duff. You know what, I know we're a footy podcast, but I'm sad. Um, Australian music... And Australia has lost two of the great female voices Indeed. in the past week. Judith Durham of The Seekers and, of course, Olivia Newton-John um, passed away over the past day or so. Um, uh, some great memories yeah. and two truly beautiful voices. And we and so The Seekers, you have to be a certain age to remember The Seekers. Yeah, a little bit before my time. But I did yeah. see them play at the MCG before a grand final with Judith Durham. Terrific, terrific. Yeah. What a great voice. Yeah, beautiful voice. voice. It was one of those voices that resonated, wasn't it? And we all remember uh, Olivia Newton-John for um, things like Let's Get Physical and... Um, I just think Grease straight away. And Grease. Um, but um, my dad has an old country record at his house and it's um, there's a version of... Olivia Newton-John singing The Banks of the Ohio when she was a country singer. And that is as good a version of that song as you're ever going to hear. She had a beautiful voice. Uh, What's the best song off Greece? And what a, by the way, Frankie Valley, what a great soundtrack that is. One of the great scores soundtracks to a movie, I reckon, that yep. um, album. What's the best song? Uh, I always like Grease Lightning. Yeah, it's a great song. I really like the um, Grease itself. It's a good track. Yep. Uh, seen it a couple of times. Um the movie and the live show. Okay. But a very sad day. Um, 30 year battle with cancer. 73, too young, but yeah, when you've been battling cancer for 30 years, she bravely uh, tried to raise cancer awareness and, um, and obviously funding for cancer research. Um, uh, my wife, Sharon, actually sat next to her at a Super League grand final. Okay. Uh, when they had held it up in Queensland at the Commonwealth Games Stadium up there. And she said, just one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. Signed every email, every message she ever sent with love and light. I think we could all learn something from that, can't we? We can. So a big weekend in footy, and we're not far away from establishing the eight. We're a long way away from establishing the order of the eight. Oh, yeah, well, and maybe eighth position. But I'm reeling from that weekend, and I suspect everybody is too. I got four, and I was happy with that. I got four. It was a tough weekend, wasn't it? It was. Should have had a bit more faith in the Dockers, although there wasn't, there wasn't a hell of a lot to recommend them on form no. going in. But um, you did have a feeling, you know, at Marvel, dry yeah. conditions, yeah. Um, there'd been a resolve to take the game on 
all week, and you thought that if they did that, they could trouble the doggies. So probably should have had a bit more faith in them. Uh, Collingwood, I think, is the story well, out of the weekend. I thought Richmond was one of the stories of the weekend, but I thought Collingwood, you know what? That game, that pressure from Collingwood was off the chart. I've not seen that pressure for a long time. However, I think Melbourne withstood the pressure really well. They just didn't kick well. They just did not kick straight. So I think Melbourne, I came out of that game, I know it sounds strange, thinking, is Collingwood the real deal? And I'm just, I can't reconcile it yet, Duff, that they are. Clearly they're second on the ladder, so you've got to take them seriously. But I came out of that just as much thinking Melbourne, I think, is still a real challenger to Geelong. I thought they didn't do too much wrong. Yeah, I I thought Melbourne were okay. They went horrible. I think Collingwood is the real deal because mm-hmm. Melbourne were okay and weren't horrible. And I think the thing we need to come to terms with with Collingwood is that because they handle the big moments in games well, there's a fair chance they're going to handle the big games well. And the other thing I think is that we look at Collingwood because our preconceived notion of Collingwood at the start of this year was they're a team that wasn't going to play finals. And a couple of things have happened. They've gotten Jamie Elliott fit, and Jamie Elliott fit is one of the, you know, he's almost the best small forward in the competition, but Shea Bolton probably. Yeah, Shea Bolton shades him, I think. Um, but but Elliott can do things. He's strong of body. He can take a big mark. He can play well at ground level. He's an incredibly good finisher, um, and he has presence about him, physical presence. To go his consistency. More, has found more consistency as well. That's true. But the other thing that's really, really changed their possibilities is that Nick Dacos can do things with the ball and will attempt to do things with the ball that other players just simply cannot or will not do. So I repeat my claims from earlier in the year, should he be All-Australian? Yes. I think he should So be. I've reached that point where I've decided yes. Because having a creative halfback is so big in your possibilities now. You know, like think of the shape of the ground. When you're playing where Nick, Day- Gay- Nick Dacos mm-hmm. plays, the ground gets wider in front of you. So therefore, the ability to poke the ball quickly through a hole and get through an opposition's team or press defence is greater where he plays. And he is prepared to take the risk. He makes good decisions and his execution is near flawless. I don't think there's ever been a first-year player in the history, well, since the rising star. I mean, people, if you go back far enough, John Coleman's first year was pretty I'll, I'll throw another one at you too. Jeff Southby. Okay. Best and fairest in his first year at full back at, full back at Carlton. So, but there is a slight difference here, isn't there? Like, Dacos has come in as an 18-year-old kid. Yeah. Fresh, oh, out, no. fresh out of junior football. It's impressive, yeah. I don't think there has been, since the advent of the rising star award, I don't think there's been a first-year player that has fundamentally shifted the possibilities of his team to the extent hmm. that Nick Dacos has shifted Collingwood's. If someone can find a way well, to eliminate Nick Dacos as a factor, I think they will put a massive dent in Collingwood. Well, there'll be lockdown on Nick Dacos, clearly. They'll but, be looking at how they do it, but they have to they, they have to do it when you're playing Collingwood. I, well, shouldn't it have been done? No, it hasn't been done, but it will be. So this will be the next step in his evolution. And mind you, first year, I mean, you could begrudge him having a couple of poor games, but he hasn't had one. Yeah. You're, you're expecting him to have one. It's, ah, oh, there's the poor game. So th- this is extraordinary a, year. Don't underestimate these guys. This is a f- One, this team has significant X factor. And two, they are fundamentally sound. So even we, we, when we look at the players in that team that we don't talk about as X factor players, 
They are fundamentally sound. Jack Crisp is yes. a fundamentally sound midfielder. So is Taylor Adams. Yes. So is Braden Maynard across half back. Um, you go forward. Brody Mychek, no one thinks of Brody Mychek as a great forward, but if Fremantle could get Griffin Logue to the stage where he played as well as Brody Mychek, Fremantle would be over the moon mm. as a forward. Um, so Brody Mychek is a very good player. They've got Darcy Cameron who's just stepped up beautifully so that the fact that Brody Grundy doesn't play again this year is not going to be... Um, it's a shame for him. It is a shame. With the, with the team going so well, people have said, oh, well, how do they fit him in? Well, he would have fitted in in front of Mason yeah. Cox. There's no doubt about yeah. that. Um, but certainly um, but certainly, they are coping quite well, aren't they? Without, Very well. Without Brodie Grundy. Um, and they've got, you know, Darcy Moore is elite by any measure. Jeremy uh, Howe. Jeremy Howe is top notch by any measure. They've got four players back there that are super with ball in hand. So Howe is very good with ball in hand. Moore is pretty good. Um, Dacos is just off yeah. the charts good. Yeah. And when Pendlebury goes back and plays there, he's very good. And even the ones we don't think of as, you know, off the charts good, Maynard's a good kick and and makes, you know, decisions within his repertoire. So they're a really good team. And I just love the go-ahead way they play. You know, like, sorry, the goals are that way, so we're coming at you and through you, yeah. and we're going that way. Yeah, look, they're very, very impressive, yes, and you've got to accept them as the real deal. Um, I still repeat, though, I think Melbourne's still the team that can most likely challenge Geelong. Uh, I don't, they, were, they were very inaccurate. So yeah. they had a kick straight, they win that game. Yeah. No question. Um, but great effort by Collingwood. I've not seen pressure like that. I, I was just watching it, waiting. Melbourne's got a crack here soon. This is just too much. And they, I don't think they did. Maybe you could say inaccurate kicking is cracking under the pressure a little bit, but I, I thought they did everything but win, Melbourne. So we're going to, later on the podcast, we'll discuss Josh Kennedy's farewell. Wow. And, oh. and the impending farewell of uh, the other Josh Kennedy yes. now, who's decided he will retire at the end of the year. Um, we'll talk about Fremantle versus the Western Bulldogs, but let's get on to the news yes. of the day. So Two appeals. Paddy Cripps and Tim Kelly, do they play next week? Uh, well, I tend to think not. Uh, you tend to think Cripps has got a case, and perhaps Kelly hasn't. You know my thoughts on it. Uh, you attack... You attack the content, you attack the player, and there's a head injury, then, you know, I think the one week and two week, I'm comfortable with those. But pro- probably Cripps has a case to answer. I mean, a, a, a case to argue for. So Not I sure think Kelly. If, I'm cl- if I'm the two clubs, I'm appealing both of them. Well, they have, yeah. Well, well, but why wouldn't you appeal now? It's a fine. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I accept that. But even that, you, you know, when you're wasting your time. So the thing with, um, I'm not. Um, quite as strong on Kelly as you said I was. I, my argument is that having spoken to Craig O'Donoghue, who tends to be our tribunal expert, he said that there are three things they look for in the tackling action. That is lift, drive, rotate. Or sorry, it's lift, rotate, drive. He said that Kelly did all of those three things. So therefore that makes that hard for him to overturn. What I would argue that there's a there's a variable in, in here for West Coast, and this is why if I was West Coast, I'm, I'm definitely doing what they're doing, which is taking it to the tribunal, is that I think Tim Kelly is in a position where he could reasonably expect, um, it was Berry, wasn't it? It was Sam Berry? Yep. Reasonably expect Sam Berry to handball, not kick. And the fact that he desperately tries to get boot to it 
as opposed to just flick the handball, possibly contributes to the way he lands and possibly contributes to making the tackle seem more dangerous than it really was. So if I'm West Coast, I'm going to the tribunal and I'm at least asking the tribunal to consider that. So what are you, what are you going to argue down? So it's careless conduct, medium impact, high contact. You can't argue down. I'm, arg- I'm arguing that the... Um, the careless conduct. The, that it's not as careless as you think because he has a he has the right to have a reasonable expectation that Barry's first instinct would be to flick the handball and keep two feet on the ground, which changes fundamentally changes the way he lands. Um, so that, that would be what I would be arguing if I was West Coast. I don't know if that makes any difference, but that was certainly what I would try and argue. Mm. Now, in the Cripps case, the thing that I always look for, and I'm really strong on blokes leaving the ground and making head-eye contact with another player. I'm, I'm like you with that. But what I want to see, I want to see evidence that they've changed their mind and tried to bump. And I don't think there's conclusive evidence of that in the Crips case. I think that it's not a marking contest, so therefore he's allowed to jump and contest the ball. That's what I think he does. And I don't think he tucks the arm right in and braces for contact and bumps him. I think he gets caught somewhere in between. He realises that as he jumps to contest the ball, he realises there's going to be a body in between me and the ball. Um, What do I do? He kind of tries to pull the arm back in, but it doesn't make all the way back in. And I think that adds to his case, that basically he leaps and leaves the ground genuinely believing he is contesting the ball. Yeah, I don't think he'll get off, but I think he's the more likely of the two. Right. To get off Crips. It's a big moment for Carlton. It is. In their season. Yeah, or it's a, it's a, I think it's time to get your big boy pants on. He's out for two weeks. There's two rounds to go. Get your big boy pants on. Show us what you're made of. It would be if Carlton missed the finals with that list. And the momentum they had built up. That's not a great thing. Everyone's talking about what a good job Michael Voss has done with that team. That's not great on Michael Voss's resume. No. I would have thought that let's take the the other two young coaches that have made good ground with their teams this year. I would have thought you give Craig McRae and Justin Longmuir that list. I'm tipping your plan in September. Yeah. And probably second, third week in September. Well, I'm not picking them this week against Melbourne at the G. No, but the funny part about Carlton is because there is that talent, that bedrock core of talent, they could come out and have a day. Hmm. And they could put it to, to Melbourne. Well, of course they could. We've seen what and they're capable of this year. there's, there's a lot on the line for them, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. As I repeat, Melbourne still, I think, uh, have, have got the form. Yeah. So they're very, very disappointing, Carlton, early in the game against Brisbane. Oh, yeah. And they amounted a comeback. Because Brisbane did put the big boy pants on. Yeah, and then took the big boy pants off <laughs> after half time. They did. And said, let's just relax. Let's talk about Josh Kennedy's farewell. What a great... At Optus Stadium. <laughs> it was almost one of those games where you're watching and thinking, this, this ain't happening. Yeah. Um, and it's been, you know, obviously he's had a gracious exit, as you expected. All my teammates were looking for me. But when you're in that form and when you're clunking them like he was, why wouldn't you be looking for him? Yeah. Uh, and he said early days, I saw Jack Darling cut in, I thought he'll get this, and they've just looked for me. <laughs> he sort of, they're looking for me then today. And I, I love that. There's no, you know. 
It was disappointing they didn't win. I thought I was disappointed in West Coast as a collective not to get up for him. Uh, let's let's be honest. I mean, he has he couldn't do any more to get his boys over the line. But I think in that, well, if you're a really hard taskmaster, the hardest of all hard him task- keep missing the, the nine. If he'd have, if he'd have kicked nine one, which you expected him to kick, didn't oh, you? he kicks that one. 19 out of 20, yeah. I reckon. The, the other thing I heard it, it interested me in the washout was him saying, you know, every Monday, every Sunday or every Saturday after a game, I drive home and I'm thinking, yeah, I could still play this next year. And then I wake up on Monday morning and say, no, I can't play this next year. <laughs> so he's just sore. He's got that sore knee. He just wants it to settle down. And, well, what a great career. What a great final performance, though. It's what we all wanted. I think I said I'd he'd kick four last week. And I thought that'd be about right, but you know, I wasn't expecting eight two. But I once, so I watched the, you know, watching the first quarter, and seeing how they were clearing leading lane in front of him, and looking for him, and he was the the alpha lead, if you like. You know, you have primary, secondary, tertiary. Leads. Oh, he was the alpha he, lead. He was the one. Oh yeah. Know. But you know what? The goal I liked best about Josh Kennedy, and the one that I reckon sums him up best, was the eighth, because. I think it was Liam Ryan bringing the ball forward down the flank. Kennedy makes the dummy lead, pretty much knowing he's not going to get it, pretty much knowing the ball's going back yeah. inside to Darling in the one-on-one. So, it sort of marked it in a contest, but just was never going to drop it. That one? No, 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 no. He doesn't get – so the ball goes to Darling. Darling nearly marks it. So he's got pressure coming in the front. It's sort of like one of those ones. Could have been a free kick. Wasn't paid. Ball spills. Kennedy, having created the one-on-one for Darling, doubles back gets to the goal square, gets the handball back after Jack fetches it off the ground, kicks the goal. That's Kennedy. You know, I'll create space for you, but when you haven't taken the mark, I'll double back and I'll stay involved. That, and because of that work rate, that is what's made Kennedy mm. the great player that he really is and, yeah. um, and has been. And uh, um, you could see... And if you're a young forward, have a look at his running patterns throughout the course of a game. If you want to be the best forward you can be, and very few are going to be as good as Josh Kennedy, but if you want to be the best you can be, just look at his running patterns and try and replicate them, as, and, and good luck replicating them, but just try and you'll be a better footballer for it. And well done to Josh Kennedy and Nick Natanui for running the old Lang Syne play in the last quarter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they tried to do the forward stoppage play. It was the old school boys getting up too, wasn't it? Nick <laughs> Nat in the, at the, um, in the Ruck Centre clearances for a while there, and uh, Cripps, the Northampton teammate, uh, also not that he he's a consistent player too, but yeah, it was the old school. But it was funny. So yeah, yeah, they that. run that play in twenty twenty. Josh gets the ball. Let's have another crack. Yeah, two years older. Me, two years <laughs> older. Couldn't quite pull it across no. the body to the same degree. No, but it was great to see. Uh, what a highlight package, really. And um, yeah, we had a lot of fun with it with our lift out in the West Australian and the um, teammates. Um, signatures and messages to him and you know people wearing masks it was just a good day just sport a little bit by the way fair last quarter to Darcy Fogarty yeah he's a good player but what a great last quarter from him and they had so let's not forget Adelaide's role in this so Adelaide had had endured a horrible horrible week yeah. really with uh, the revelations from a previous regime there are still people at the club from that time but it's mainly new people in um, in their positions uh, they've 
it's been a, a really was a really grim and harrowing week, I think, for the Adelaide Football Club. For them to have their own milestone player, Rory Laird, come out yeah, and great play game. absolute <laughs> starring role, yeah. 36 and two goals. And for Darcy Fogarty, one of their brightest young talents, to stand up and kick three in the last quarter. Yeah, I think that, that said, it spoke to the character of the Adelaide group, I think. Yeah, but the, which we spoke to when they made the grand final. Yeah. We keep repeating this. It just makes no sense, this camp. As Josh Kennedy said, you know, we've survived the, the senseless killing of a coach um, and gone on to play in the grand final. We, we are pretty resilient. And, and Eddie Betts remarked Ta- yeah, yeah. along the same lines. Yeah. And, uh, um, I love the aftermatch stuff too with him, um, with the, girl, the, the girls doing the handstands around the oval, the crowd, the interviews, even to the point where he's just gone up and shaken every single hand of every Adelaide person who um, formed that cordon. Yeah. I thought that's Josh Kennedy all over, you know. Yeah, you can see that there's a warmth in the crowd for him because there's a warmth in him. Yep. And you can see that, you know, there was he was deeply moved by it all, but he doesn't sort of like dissolve into a puddle of teals or anything. You can see there's emotion there, but he's just a genuine sort of a country bloke. Isn't he? And yeah. um, and that shines through, and it's it's one of the reasons why he's so widely admired and respected. Apart yeah. from the fact that he's a great, great player. So um, yeah, well done to them. Okay, so your boys. So Frio, um, yeah, I can't get Frio right in the tipping quarters. Just can't get it. When yeah. I tip them, they don't. I didn't get it right last week, but I'm I'm not too bad with Frio. But um, yeah, nice audition for from your uh, from Rory Lobb too. His next club. Four goals from limited possessions. Yeah, okay. Well, we can go on about that until the end of <laughs> September if we like. We we know that if there's a significant trade opportunity, I suspect Rory will want to take it, and I suspect Fremantle He's got will opt to take it. But, well, maybe not necessarily there. Mm. I mean, I, I suspect he'll be somewhere. Why, why would they be so – like, we saw Sam Darcy play on the weekend. Oh. Took eight marks, yeah. two great marks in contests. Got done a couple of times. He got done by Matt Tabiner once. He got done by Griffin Logue once. But 18, 19-year-old kid. You know, 207 centimetres. Oh, very impressive. Yeah. Spoke well, too, after the game. I heard his interview post-match. is yeah, really no, impressive. He's, he's, a he's good got lad. good media training, of course, through the old man. Um, they need a defender. They need an intercept defender. Well, he supposedly will be that early yeah. in his career and then maybe shift forward late. Um, certainly, they look like a bit of a one-trick pony. The interesting thing that Freo did, so Freo played with more dare. Well, that was my next question. Do you think Luke Ryan played with more dare? Um, I thought he did. Yeah, probably. He was probably almost. He was just about their best player. He was close to their best player. Um, I thought Jordan Clark, myself, was the one that epitomised what they were trying to do. You know, just took the game on a bit and and got on the charge a little bit. But that's what they need to do. And and the other thing that topped off Jordan Clark's game was that spoil in the third quarter. Yeah, it was a beautiful spoil. They need to do that. Just just attack. The next two weeks. Yeah. Get some form and confidence going into the finals. There's a lot to be gained here. A lot. And the other thing, well, when we talk about their best player, it's probably Rory Lobb, isn't it? To kick those four goals and the four goals that How he did. How many times he have it? Not many. Not many, but when He's you... He's clunking when, them, he, and kicking them straight. Yeah. When you get four looks from 50 and you dob them all. And it hurts the opposition too. Yeah. Um, when they work so hard to get it down the other end and they're not quite getting the reward and it just shoots back and bang. Um, you know what I did take out of it in terms of significance going forward is that maybe the structure for Freo, particularly when Fife comes back, given that Fife is going to be nowhere near mm. able to play any significant role in the midfield, um, maybe it's 
given Taberner's injuries and his ongoing battle with injuries, maybe it's lob primary forward, don't send him into the ruck. Logue, yeah. pressure forward, contest in the air, back up Ruckman. Yeah. Five, secondary target in attack, um, and then put the, the hunters and crummers around that lot. Maybe that's so you'll have Switkowski coming back. Switkowski, who I think is their best small yeah, forward. Yeah, in a week, yeah. probably. Um, either this week or next yeah, week. Yeah, probably next week, more likely, yeah. I think, I believe, so far. So. Um, so so he's big for them. It's a shame for Tabner, isn't it? Yeah. He's, like, he's playing all right. But you know what? Sometimes you've got to acknowledge what a bloke has done off what he came from. So whatever Matt Tabner... I, I suspect Matt Tabner has been playing with house money for, for two or three years now. Because when you think of what Matt Tabner was when he first started, he was an overage player who was basically drafted into the um, the NAB League program as a bit of a, you know, this is a worthwhile roughie to take a look at because his work rate's so high and he's a good size and he's he's good runner. Then Fremantle goes, you know, oh, well, on the rookie list, you know, he's a worthwhile roughie. So he gets the worthwhile roughie pick twice. Then the, he graduates into their team because he's big and he's worked hard and, oh, well, he's a worthwhile roughie, you know, playing an AFL footy. And he's just gradually worked on himself and worked on himself and worked on himself to a point where he's a reliable shot at goal. He's a big, strong body. He's likely to kick you one and a half to two goals a game. And he's likely to win a couple of contests and he will run all day for you. Now, there's nothing flash about him. He's not a B plus or an A grade or anything like that. He's a he's your, your dead set bedrock B mm. as a footballer. He's got the absolute most out of himself and he should be pleased with that he'll be busting his hump to get back and play finals and he'll be a valuable addition if they do play finals but oh they're I, playing finals I, um well, I'm sorry if he does play finals yeah. um but um he's he's done a great job i think to achieve what he's achieved in his career sydney josh kennedy you know out of all the players hawthorne let go he's the one that irks the most because he's a Kennedy. Yeah. I don't know. I understand there was a there was an embarrassment of riches in the Hawthorne midfield developing at the time, and he just couldn't quite get a game, and they, they misread his, I think, talent going forward. But, you know, that, three that, times All-Australian, three times Bob Skilton medals, premiership player, captain for four or five years, 289 games. What a shame. He's injured at the moment. He's going to try and get back in that side. Not quite going to get to that 300 mark. It's a, That's a bit of a shame for him, but he can... Just lift his head high, walk away now, and what a great footballer he was. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's been a great player. A great big game player for them too. And just another piece of really smart recruiting by Sydney. By Sydney, because they knew that that big body on the tight confines of the SCG and his ability to win contested ball, to not flinch in the clinches, and to make smaller opposition midfielders run around him, not into him. Because you didn't want to run into Josh Kennedy. No, you know he wasn't mean or anything, but he didn't shift very far. Um, that was going to be a big asset for them, and it was. And he was, I think, I'm trying to think which um, grand final it was. It might have been, might have been the Bulldogs' grand final in 2016, when they lost players to injury. They lost Hanbury late. They lost Franklin got injured early, and he played on, he but he was, played, yeah, obviously affected. Josh Kennedy's first half in that game in particular was just. Off the charts, good. Looked like he was going to play him to another premiership. Um, he's been a, a grand, grand player. Hopefully he gets back, but I think yeah, he's, he's... He's up against it. He is. He's, he's probably going to need an injury to someone else, and he's probably going to need an injury to a specific type of player, not just any player. So it, it may be something like Luke Parker, perhaps. 
an injury to Luke Parker. Similar to maybe Melbourne's situation last year. Yeah, with Nathan Jones. Mm. Yeah, correct. Except, uh, yeah, uh, Nathan was, I think, the difference being Nathan obviously hadn't played in a premiership and Josh has, so he can, he can walk away knowing he's got that medal, that very important medal. Uh, Richmond. Yeah. So yeah. you liked him. Well, I like them at the week. I don't. No, I don't necessarily like them, Duff. Well, they're playing um, finals now. They're playing finals now. Yeah. They, well, it's hard to see them not. Well, look who's outside it. Well, the dogs have shot themselves in the foot. I think St Kilda. Uh, that was a pretty. Yeah. Didn't really give much of a yelp against Geelong. Admittedly, at Geelong's home ground. So you'd think they play finals now, um, and it's just a matter of where they where where they end up. Really, I mean, it's. I think the as you said, I think the eight's the eight, but what order is it going to finish? Well, in? I, no, Carlton can drop out. There's no doubt. Car- Carlton have yeah, but who comes in? Well, the dogs can. The dogs have a moderate draw, don't they? They got GWS at Marvel, so we don't know which GWS turns up, do we? The McVeigh eight, so Carlton and and the fourteen others <laughs> turned up on the weekend. Well, Carlton just need to win a game. They need to win one or two. Yeah, but it's Melbourne Collingwood. They're two pretty tough games. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Carlton-Collingwood final round, Carlton has to win to play finals. Interestingly. How big is that? Interestingly, Quarters, the Paddy Cripps tribunal strategy. They started working on this on Sunday night, by the way. They they knew that he was going to be cited. Yeah. Um, even though it took the AFL forever on Monday to actually get it out there. But they knew he was going to be cited. So they started working on a tribunal defence. Do you go for broke, get him off? Or do you try and get two down to one? Oh, you get two down to one. That's you need him for Collingwood and get, and get him out on that game. Yeah, in that game. Yeah, I, it's an interesting one. It's a big big call for the Blues. I tonight. almost want. I'm not that I don't want. I think Carlton deserves to play. It'd be a shame if they didn't. But you almost want them to lose this week. I want that final round. Oof. Collingwood Carlton. Yeah. I Can remember, you imagine? I remember a similar game. I reckon it was ni- circa 1992, and Carlton were on the fringes of finals, and they played Collingwood at... Uh, 92, maybe still at... Piper. Waverley. Oh, Waverley. They played out at Waverley okay. in front of about 80,000. Yeah. And it was a windy, ugly Waverley Sorry, day. as opposed to... <laughs> <laughs> a shiny, sunny, balmy Waverley no, I'm day. I'm not going to bag it too much. I grew up in that area. <laughs> I, I love that area. I love that part of the world. But yes, it was not really not windy, I can tell you. But our mutual... Colleague, friend, and acquaintance Tony DeBolfo used to call it Tombstone. <laughs> I actually liked going out to Waverley. Yeah, I did too. You could get a too. park. There was the car park around Waverley. Yeah, yeah but you just couldn't get out of the car. No, you park. couldn't. But that's okay because you'd put on your radio and have a listen to the post match if you won, not I, if you didn't. If you I, didn't, if you lost, you just put music on. I went to the nineteen eighty six second semi final at Waverley, which was Hawthorne Carlton. And yes. Carlton beat you. Yes, 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 yes. Drove, drove the car out there, parked it in the car park, got home at 8.30. Yeah. <laughs> Game finished at 5. You know, I, I covered a um, – so around Waverley, for anyone who hasn't been And there. I wasn't working. I was just a spectator. <laughs> so around Waverley is all factories. It's not really residential. And back in the day, I think it was 88, I was covering footy for the Geelong Advertiser. Geelong was playing in a night grand final. On a, I think it was a Saturday night. Anyway, I was there late filing for, for the paper. And um, the no one left as I left. I went in the old style turnstiles and I got locked in. 
locked in there. I had all my equipment. And I was vertical, locked in this turnstile, <laughs> thinking, if I don't get out of here, I'm here till Monday. Because no one comes here. And I'm screaming at the top of my voice, help, help. And eventually some cleaner heard me and got me out somehow. Thank God for that. Then I had to drive home to Geelong where I was living at the time, which is like some, you know. Yeah, it's a distance. Yeah, it's a, it's a scary moment, I can tell you. <laughs> Waverly. Uh, um, but look, um, yeah, just two rounds i suppose and it's almost like let's let's put the uh, cynical hat on duff i suppose the the afl uh, or the melbourne sort of based afl would be rubbing their hands together looking at the ladder thinking you know geelong collingwood uh, melbourne Carlton and, and richmond on the on the on the bottom depths of that eight so uh, it's it's shaping up well yeah look for them they're their big final series, aren't they? Like the MCG finals with those big clubs playing. You're looking at crowds of eighty to 90,000. Um, Melbourne is a funny one because they have the MCC members and they can go from anywhere from 30,000 to 80,000, you know, depending on how they're going. So, mm. um, And the others are just big clubs, aren't they? They're the big, big clubs. Richmond are in- an interesting one. I'll tell you what, Shy Bolton's the most watchable player in the comp. Oh, yeah. That almost untacklable. That goal just before yeah, halftime. He's almost untacklable, isn't he? Good luck tackling him. Poor old Ryan Burton. So basically, Ryan Burton's on Shy Bolton. Darcy Byrne Jones runs onto a loose ball. For all intents and purposes, should have gathered the ball cleanly, either turned right and kicked it, or turned left and handballed it. You know, one, one or the other. It's a it's a routine defensive play. Um, there's implied pressure, but there's two or three metres around him. He kind of half reaches. The ball doesn't get as high as he thought. Then he's it's on the ground, and there's an uncertain bounce, and he doesn't get it cleanly the next time. Burton has already anticipated that he's going to pick it up, leaves Bolton's side, and around about that point, I reckon he's thinking, oh, my God, we're shy. Uh, <laughs> and it was too late. It was too late. It's the old story, you know, the, the coaches used to say, don't look at the feet, don't look at the hands, look at the hips, tackle the hips, right? You can't with him. He shimmies and shakes his way out. He's r- really hard to get hold of, and what a beautiful thinker. Yes. Just thinks his way out of out of situations, and great kick. So he's kicked 39-39. So he's actually not kicked well for goal this year. He could have had one of the great small forward seasons. Like, he could have kicked, what, say, 50-28? I reckon he's probably had a few assists as well, though. Yeah. I reckon there's a few assists in there. I reckon he has had one of the great small forward um, years. <laughs> what he brings, what his dynamic brings to that whole group. 39-39 is really interesting, isn't it? I, I, I can't recall him missing that many, but I'm clearly wrong. He had a couple of bad days. Yeah, so okay. he had days where he kicked really poorly. The other interesting thing about the Shy Bolton one, just before we go to the mailbag, yep. is that... He starts in the midfield, but he's still playing as a forward, and other teams haven't worked it out yet. So they keep losing him when, yeah. he's, when he spits out forward. And um, basically, he goes into the centre square stop. It's the old Dustin Martin play. They're doing it with Bolton, and teams either aren't picking up on it or they are picking up on it, but they're still not coping. So Dusty the- not going to play before the home and away? Before, before the, the finals. finals? Yeah, I would have thought so. And so is he a... Sur- is he a- a lock to get back for round one of the final week one of the final. Uh, no, I think when you got um, old man lower leg soft tissue injuries, I don't think you're a lock mm. for anything. So, yeah, that's a watch that space one. Yeah, one. I'll be really interested to see how where, where, you wouldn't want to be playing him in September. Okay, so St Kilda doesn't play finals. We nah, agree. No, nah. 
All right. So the eight dogs, it's real, real. It's hard for them, but as you say, they can win too. So you think Richmond comes in, or Richmond well, is they're in? in at I the think moment. the eight's the eight. So Carlton stays in. They find a way to win one, and I think it'll be final round. All right. I don't think it's this week. I think it's final round. Okay. Now it's time for this. Saddle up your camel. It's time for the thirsty camel mailbag. Thank you to Thirsty Camel. Thank you to Jack Daniels. We're giving away a 10-pack of old number seven whiskey and cola cans for the last time, Duff. As of next week... It's a good drop, by the way. It's a great drop. Next week, we'll have a new product, which will be Green Coast Lager from Stone and Wood Brewery. But we've got one more week of uh, old number seven, um, Jack Daniels. So uh, thanks for your emails. Keep them short. And uh, let us know if you're from Perth uh, or is from Western Australia. and you're able to get here and get your prize. Otherwise, we can't give it to you. Now, Duff, we've had a few. We did ask our listeners to throw a few ideas at us. Re the um, Governor Sterling, re Northampton. We've had a few emails on this theme. So, and they're great emails too. This one from Brett, the Iron Ore Dozer Op. You'll love this one. Uh, G'day, Duff and Quarters. Just in regard to last week's email linking the Longmuirs to Governor Sterling, Troy, Justin, and their younger sister all boarded at Swanley and attended Govo. Troy completed his five years at Govo, while Justin, who was in my year at school, only boarded up until year 10 there. Then, as is well known, he went off to ag school as he wanted to get into farming like his old man. I remember playing in a quit cup grand final in year 10 for Govo, where Justin was clearly BOG, alongside a young kid from Mazenod College called Paul Hazelby. However, my favourite memory with Justin was off the field. We were watching an exhibition cricket match at Lilac Hill. He and I were eating a pie. I was trying to open one of those wretched squeezed tomato sauce packets. Suddenly it burst open and sprayed the backs of people several rows in front of us. I quickly threw my sauce satchel away. They all turned around and glared angrily at Justin, who was eating his pie with tomato sauce still on it. (laughs) Anyway, cheers for the beers. I'm looking forward to taking you up on your offer to catch up for a few frothies sometime soon. That was Brett, the Iron Ore Dozer Op. Great, great email. Fascinating to learn that they... they Boarded at Swan Lee because um, I remember the Narragin Hostel playing against Swan Lee. We took a bus up there one day and um, the Narragin who? The Narragin Hostel. Okay. So the Narragin High School Hostel where I used to board to go to Narragin High School, and we played against Swan Lee. We played footy against them. I think they played netball, uh, maybe hockey against them as well. I don't know how the netball and hockey players went. We got run down late and got beaten by them. Um, they had a good team. They had a couple of blokes that were playing Colts for Claremont at the time. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, it was a good game, actually. It was a really cracking game of footy. Uh, this one from Damo. Hello, Duffin Quarters. Firstly, love the pod. I grew up on a farm smack bang between Lake Grace and Newdigate. Pingaring? Pingaring? Pingaring, yes. Excuse my Victorianism there. 50 clicks to the north. But have been in Amsterdam for the last nine going on 10 years. Years. He writes this from a coffee house stuff. Uh, no, I'm only joking. Uh, this solid <laughs> WA content is what has been missing in my life for the last five years. Don't go near those coffee houses. They're bad places. <laughs> but anyway, let's get on with it. I put up Lake Grace v Northampton. Lake Grace, Shire population 1,361. Northampton, Shire population 3,227. Lake Grace players. Mark Bairstow, Noel Bairstow, Nathan Fife, Liam Baker, Don Gardner, Mitch Jarrod, Kale 
Morton. Would love to roll in Dad Noel, as he was by far the best of the Mortons, but played in Newdigate and for Claremont before moving to Lake Grace and only played a few games for the Bombers in his twilight. Decent 90s waffle players in Calvin Holmes and Simon and Matthew Wright. And if I can be so bold as to add myself in a less than solid B-grade bench forward pocket, he thinks he's a mid. Granted, our spine might struggle against Harry Taylor and Josh Kennedy, but we do a good job of getting it out of the midfield. Verdict, we'd get flogged, but taking population into account, not a bad shout. Thanks, guys. Demo. P.S. Shameless plug. My dad, Bill Trevenan, just released a book at Lake Grace's 100th year celebration in Lake Grace on the weekend. 100 years of survival and achievement. A short history of the club. A profile of all Lake Grace players past and present. We'll get a copy of that if you can. There you go. So Lake Grace, we used to actually, so before Lake Grace moved into the, I think they went to Ongarup. They were in the um, Upper Great Southern for a while. So, yeah, um, I actually played on Noel Bairstow one day. Did you? How'd kicked, you go? He kicked seven. Oh, did he? <laughs> My brother played on Mark. So kicked seven on you? Kicked seven on, yeah, mainly on me. Yeah. We were getting flogged. I will add that, but he did kick seven on me. Mm. Um so my brother Brett played against Mark. When do you remember when Mark had the year off? No, played, I don't. Played in Geelong in eighty nine. Oh, I had a year between, did he? Had a year back on the farm in ninety nine. Then went back to Geelong in ninety one. Oh yes, I do. Yes, so he was an he was a player with a it was then VFL. He was a player with a VFL preparation, playing in the Upper Great Southern Football League. So Brett told me before the game, he said, oh, "I'm going to be playing on Mark Bearso this week." I said, "Oh, let me know how you go." So I made a point of ringing him on Monday and I said, oh, how'd you go? He said, oh, yeah, I, I had 30, kicked two. Oh, that's pretty good. What do you have? Oh, 65, kicked four. <laughs> 65. <laughs> uh-huh. Actually, I do remember that year he had off because I was ringing him uh, relentlessly from the <laughs> Sunday Sun asking him what he was doing that year. So a uh, great player, Toby Bairstow. Still on the same theme, Matt from Mount Hawthorne. Hi, fellas. It's going to be hard to beat Northampton Rams Football Club for producing AFL talent with having such a small population. Really interested to see if any other country clubs around Australia have. But here's one. Bull Creek Leeming Junior Football Club are a heavy hitter in producing AFL talent. A suburban, I know not country, football club in the East Fremantle District have produced. Simon Black, Ben Cousins, Reese Palmer, Garrick Ibbotson, Kyle Hardingham, Jacob Brennan, Brandon Matera, Jared Jansen, Luke Jackson, Jonathan Hay, Matt Carr, Josh Carr. I know I'm missing someone. They have to be up there for an AFL producing junior club. Thanks for my podcast highlight every Tuesday and Thursday. Love your work. The problem is they would be drawing from a population base of about probably 10,000. Yeah. Conservatively, probably. So, yeah, great call. Bull Creek Leeming was an absolute standout uh, producer of young talent, but um, probably drawing from a far bigger population base. If there's anyone out there who listens from Wikipin, I'd be interested in your input. Now, this is all pre-AFL, so it's mainly WAFL, but I'm tipping Wikipin goes all right okay. in this space. So my... F- favourite player, my favourite country footballer as a kid was a guy called Keith Miller. Actually went to a mate of mine's father's funeral up in Narrabeen. Nickname Nugget? No. Okay. No. He was, um, Keith Miller was a was just a champion, champion player. Um, played at Wickerpen, played, came down to West Perth, played in two premierships for West Perth. Um, he was in state teams. I think he was going to play state footy against the South Australians one day. His car broke down in Williams on the way to the game. Imagine if that happened now. He, he didn't get to play. Um, but he was a great player. There was Greg Asprey, um, the late Greg Asprey, I believe. I believe he's passed on. Keith Donkin, who was an All-Australian rover. Uh, there was a couple of Taylors. There was certainly Jeff Taylor, and I have a feeling there was another Taylor. 
came from Wickerpin as well. So Wickerpin, tiny country town, they they went all right. So come the- on, listeners, let us know next week uh, or even Thursday. Um, and one final one, high duffing quarters from Andrew from Leeming. Northampton's rival to produce footballers is Melville Island, of course. It has a smaller population, is a further distance from the major football centres, which adds a degree of di- difficulty to its remarkable feat. Well, the TY Islands, full stop, the Rialis and the Long yep. um, families have just, just keep producing them, don't they? Um, this one, Richo from Hamo Hill. Gents, what is the likelihood of the West Australian Footy Commission throwing in some of its own coin to bring Leaderville Oval up to scratch? I understand that the City of Vincent is the owner of the ground, but surely it would be in the Footy Commission's best interest to contribute to an asset that is vital to the state competition. Just on that, um, as we've said, down to two, I think um, Fremantle Oval, uh, South Frio, is, um, its bid's pretty impressive, as was, apparently, Bass and Dean's bid was pretty impressive. There was one down in uh, Mandurah, from down in Mandurah as well, um, but I think the two locals, the Leaderville and Fremantle Oval, are what we are down so to. So what about Joondalup? Uh, Joondalup was in the chop-up as well, but I think it's down to those two now. So what they'll look for, not just, one will be public transport to the game, and two will be entertainment precinct around the ground. Now, this is the problem for Joondalup. Joondalup probably wins on almost every score, capacity, um, you know, the standard of the, the facility, the standard of the grass, all those things, the ability to, to put activations mm. around. It's just how do they get there? Because the train line's a little walk away from the, the how ground. How far away is it? I don't know. I've never done it. And what's the parking like there? It's, well, you've got that giant car There is park. parking. Yeah. But you've got to get them in. Yeah. So when there were AFL pre-season matches up there, it was always a bit of a rigmarole getting – you had to go past the ground, around the top, back down, back in. It's hard. That little car – well, it's a big car park. There's a big sports centre there. It's a big car park, but it's really hard to get out of. And the other issue is where do they go afterwards? Oh, there's a no. There are some local. There's a fair bit there, but not right. No, you got to walk. Yeah, it's so, a decent height. So this is the the thing that for both Fremantle and Leader so, will have over and above. Yeah, Joondalup. Yeah, either or really. Um, and Bass and Dean, well done. One thing I got to say about Swans, they're a little bit. So they don't get on well with the football commission. The best way to describe Swans is they don't play well with others. Um, and they've been a bit contrary, but they do stand up for themselves, and they're quite innovative and imaginative when it comes to this stuff so well done that they've fact they put their best foot forward mm. on this uh maybe if they'd gotten along a little better with the football commission they might have stood a slightly better chance perhaps mm. the way these things work glenn ben from caversham hi guys just wondering if you believe that tom barash should be all australian or at least in the squad if he played for a victorian team like may moore or de Koning, they would be putting the blazer on him today that's a really good email i, I, I tend to agree with that who i mean I, i've got I just did a quick calculation. Um, De Koning definitely in the mix, Moore in the mix, May in the mix. Sicily, I think, is a lock. I think Doherty, for me, is a lock. I think he's a feel-good story, that back six. That doesn't make him Sing- an All-Australian. I think he's been very good, though, very consistent. Day- he's earned his spot. Dacos, for me, ahead of Doherty. Yeah, yeah well, you've got Dacos there. Um, but, I mean, Sinclair's lost a bit, missed a bit. Sorry, yeah, Stewart, no. Sinclair gets in. Stewart's missed a bit of footy. Does Sinclair mate. get in, you think? I think Sinclair gets in. You don't mm, think he... No. no. Really? No. Dacos is in ahead of him, but I think who's the other half back then? Well, look, I'm not saying that Hayden Young should be in the All-Australian team, yeah. but why would Jack Sinclair make it ahead of Hayden Young? Uh, yeah, he's had a... Pr- he, well, they've both had very good years. So, so Sinclair, I think you've got to acknowledge the way, to some degree, how a team would set up. 
So if you've got the rebounder on the other side, which you might say is Doherty, I would say it's Dacos, surely you need a player who can play with some accountability. Is there any um, case for Angus Brayshaw? Uh, yes, there is. Absolutely. So he, he's in the mix as well. So it's going to be really interesting what But Tommy Barras, if Tommy Barras, Tommy Barras has to win West Coast Best and Fairest, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah, he's yeah. been outstanding. He was probably, after Josh Kennedy, he was probably their best player again on the weekend. Interestingly, Adelaide actually changed their forward formation to try and suck him out of the way, which is the ultimate compliment mm. we can play. We, we can't have him there. So, Taylor Walker, you've got to go play somewhere else. Mm. So, Taylor Walker went deeper. And, of course, after five, ten minutes, and Adelaide kicked a couple, Tommy Brass came back up and someone else took Taylor Walker and Tommy Brass stood in the way again. Yeah. Just Wonderful, wonderful season. Yeah, he has, hasn't he? Um, and a hard season too, back there. Uh, yeah, lo- a back. lot of opportunity to play well <laughs> hard, back there. Hard back there. Uh, Ewan from Les Murdy. I like this. Uh, got a question or maybe more of a request. Can you put it out there for a minute's applause on the 16th minute for Monday in the Derby to then have it extended for the 17th for JK? I think this will be a good tribute to both the champions of footy and WA. I like the idea. Broadcasters bad. might not, if you have two minutes of applause, but it's not bad. I, I love the idea. Let's let's try and make it happen. I love that. It's good. Yeah. All right. It's out there. It's out there. Um, this one's a, look. This one's a bit long. I might try and read that one out. Uh, look, I'll have a go. This one from Tony from Frio. The notion I'd like to float surrounds the state of origin concept. We all know it'll be very hard to get a meaningful concept of actual state of origin games up and running, mostly due to club and player priorities, but also because there's really only three teams anyone cares about, Vic, WA and SA, and the last two only really want to beat the first one. Maybe a Vic country and Vic Metro state of origin would even things up, but then so many players from New South Wales, Queensland and Tasmania miss out. So as we know, it's going to be extremely hard to get something up that's worthwhile. However... Every year we pick an all-Australian team that never plays. So extending that a bit and taking it away from the East-centric AFL. Why doesn't the WA Footy Commission have an evening celebrating WA football, pick a couple of teams and announce them at a specially held event? Most important of those teams would be the WA State of Origin team that could be announced and celebrated. Blazers or jumpers could be presented and the team put out there for all to see and acknowledge. We did that. Yeah, when they do that? So we used to, I actually picked this, helped pick this team. Um for several years and there would be a panel selected and there'd be I think there'd be a representative from West Coast representative from Fremantle and a representative of the greater football competition and myself as a member of the media and we used to do it in conjunction with the 200 club and it just kind of it was good and um, it created some interest for a while and then like everything else it died because there was, wasn't a game and it was just a ceremonial thing so yeah we used to do it um Look, the problem with state of origin is the players don't care enough. We can blame a lot of people for a lot of reasons, whatever. If the players cared enough, it would happen. And because the play, everyone, all the players say, I'd like to play in it, they don't really want to play in it. They want big contracts. They want to play AFL careers. They want to play on the MCG on grand final day. That's what they really want. If you asked a rugby league player, he probably wants to really really wants to play State of Origin. Well, because if you look at State of Origin NRL, um, it's much, much bigger than the NRL Premier. No, the NRL Grand Final. It's bigger than the Test matches. Yeah, it's huge. So it's just a different kettle of fish up there. Uh, It's a great event in itself. Uh, I like this email. Uh, Chris from Perth. 
Quick shout out to West Coast for their wonderful send off for JK. The club did an awesome job. Shame we couldn't pull off a win though for a 17th place side, not too unexpected. Which got me thinking, will West Coast be looking at Collingwood, who also finished 17th last year, and be wondering what a new voice could do for this side? Although Pies had six wins and they have a much better list, including some very handy father sons, have they what? (laughs) I'm not advocating a witch hunt on Samo as I quite like him, but the side looks stale. They were super fumbly and made some terrible decisions for a side that used to pride itself on its skill level. It's going to be a very interesting off-season at West Coast with 18 uncontracted players, two already gone, JK and Stranatica. Obviously, they will be drafting youth, but do you see many players getting let go and do you think Rioli is likely to leave? Would be a shame given the amount of support the club has given him, though Duff has often said it might be the best thing for club and player is if, if he is to leave. Lastly, thank you to JK for all he gave to our club. To kick eight on Sunday was a fantastic way to go out. Completely, completely empty that fuel tank. It's not going to be the same watching the Eagles for a long time with his absence. It's hard to believe the fuel tank's empty. I don't think the tank's so It's probably empty. more like the chassis. The chassis, yeah, the chassis bent. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's a wonderful player. They did a great job on the weekend. They did. Um, and I didn't mind their performance either. I, I think they, they came up a bit short in the end. It's been the way they've been all year, isn't yeah. it? They've, they've had that one quarter lapse, which was in the third quarter when they had a half-time lead. They were four or five goals down at one stage, managed to get it back to three, but couldn't could never quite close the gap enough in the last quarter. It's going to be an interesting off-season. Um, look, I think Simo's earned the right to go again. I think Simo, they need... They need to face a few facts, West Coast. I know they don't like what Kane Corn says about their body shapes and things like that, but I think they need to, rather than have other people poke and push and prod them about this, they probably need to stand in front of a mirror and ask themselves, have we really given ourselves the best chance? Have we really gone as hard as we could possibly have gone to be the best version of ourselves and play the best footy we can possibly play? We know the impediments. We know there's coronavirus. We know there's been injury. All that stuff has happened. But I reckon there's half a dozen of significant players at West Coast who really need to stand in front of the mirror and ask themselves, have I gone, have I done everything I can do to be my absolute best version of myself? Just a couple more. Uh, Ed Lacey from WA, hail to you both. I do understand that an effective tackle is an elite skill and one that should be in every AFL player's armoury. But the umpires of Friday night's clash between Melbourne and Collingwood seem to be using a rule book which reads, reward the tackler. This interpretation, although applied consistently, gifted Collingwood with a few easy shots at goal and probably decided the outcome. I believe common sense should favour the ball getter and that provided he or she is making a genuine attempt to dispose of the ball, it should be play on. What do you think? P.S. As a docker, I have no partisan acts to grind here. I don't mind this email. In fact, I'm, I've got that high up, Okay, the pecking order. Um, I reckon Collingwood... So, I've look, and qualification on this. Collingwood on Friday night convinced me they're a contender and I think the more deserving team won the game in the end. But I reckon Collingwood were plus five goals from free kicks where prior opportunity was at least debatable and they were paid primarily to Jamie Elliott at one end and not paid down the other end. This is a great email. Prior prior opportunity is a mess. So with that and the poor, um, poor kicking for goal for Melbourne, surely they win by four or five. Well, I think the stats say Melbourne should have won the game. Yeah. But does, do, don't the stats speak to how efficient Collingwood is well, as well? They, well, they were efficient, but I still think Melbourne was the better side. 
Anyway, yeah. scoreboard suggests I'm wrong. Um, look, I yeah, I reckon, and and with free kick, don't don't look at the free kick count. Look at where they're paid or where they're not paid, because that's what that's where the real influence in games comes. This is why yeah. the Jack Ginnivan ducking thing was such a big deal, and the Joel Selwood ducking thing over a decade hasn't been quite as big a deal. It's because Joel Selwood's getting them in the midfield. Jack Ginnivan's getting them in front of goal, where he shoots on goal and kicks a goal. Yeah. And and this this is where umpiring decisions fundamentally influence the outcome of games. We're, we're great defenders and umpires. We know how difficult the game is. But I think the AFL needs to make it clearer and simpler for AFL umpires to determine prior opportunity. I reckon there were a minimum three Collingwood goals where prior opportunity was highly debatable. And I reckon that if those free kicks were paid, which they were, there were two down the other end that had to be paid the other way. And they weren't. Last one. Um, high Duff and Quarters. This one's from Andrew. A high Duff and Quarters, inspired by the Commonwealth Games. What are Fremantle Dockers' gold, silver and bronze moments of their journey so far? I've got gold as the grand final. I've got silver as the um, Geelong final win. And I've got bronze, um, Fife's two Brownlows. That's just quickly. Yeah, no, I'll focus on the team. I, I've got um, gold is the grand final appearance and everything that led up to that. So that includes the Geelong qualifying final win and the Sydney preliminary final. Um, I think uh, 2003 was a breakthrough year. Um, and I think 2006 was a breakthrough year. So they can be silver and bronze in whatever way you want. If you want to talk about club achievement, Fremantle's rebuild in 2008, 2009, 2010, that is a by-the-book quality rebuild. And that created six years of contention between 2010 and 2016. Um, To do that in three years, to to be the highest-paid, oldest, underperforming club in the competition in 2008 and to be back in finals, winning a final in 2010 and to stay in finals every year till 2015 with the exception of 2011 when any objective measurement says that um, injuries stripped them of any reasonable chance of getting there. I think that that's as a club achievement, that was a bloody strong rebuild. Well, thank you for your emails. Uh, please send them to this address. Send your mail to Duff and Quarters at wanews.com.au. Thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. We have been brought to you by Tab Touch. Those with the touch can better their bet. Download Tab Touch today. Please gamble responsibly. Please call Gambler's Help on 1800 858 858 if you encounter any difficulties. Quarters. Thank you and your small hands for coming along and we'll be back on Thursday to talk about another big, big round in the AFL and we'll do a bit of a celebration of David Barramundi's career. Obviously, the Derby on Saturday night acknowledging his um, wonderful contribution to Fremantle. Hopefully, as David says, five more wins. And not his final game at Optus. Yes, fingers crossed. Mm. If you're a fan of the podcast, why don't you get in touch? Send your thoughts to the Thirsty Camel mailbag at duffandquarters at wanews.com.au. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and of course, tell your mates. Thanks for listening. This has been the Duff and Quarters podcast on the game. You know who? It's unbelievable.